This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 9th. This is episode 2636. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us, and welcome back to Endurance Day here on Horses in the Morning. Karen's back with us as usual. So coming up on today's show, we have a lady that you're going to want to hear. She's 84 years old. She's still riding. 85. 85 years old. She's still riding Endurance. Her name is Dolly, and she's quite a sight, apparently, on on the track. And she just won the AERC Partners Award. We're going to talk to her, and also Dwayne. Russell's joining us, and he's going to talk about the important things we need to do to keep our horse trailers running safely. You know, the snow's melting. Yes, your horse trailer's probably still under there. So you're going to need to do some things before you take it out in the spring to keep your horses safe. We're going to talk about that. Plus, Karen's going to chat a little bit about the Equilab app and what she uses that for. We are here the second Tuesday of every month talking about endurance riding and long-distance riding or just other kinds of crazy long riding. Uh, and uh, Karen is one of the, oh, you have to be one of the highest mileage riders I, around today. Yeah, I think so. Pro- I know I'm in the top 10, yeah, probably to top fifth 10. or sixth You've got maybe. like a million miles. I've got I mean, it's like crazy. 38,000 something it's <laughs> just nuts. That's a lot of time with a button. It's a lot. <laughs> Two horses that have over ten thousand, and then the overachiever one, the chief. He's um working on getting to sixteen thousand. We hope with uh once this COVID thing kind of takes a backseat and we can start getting back to normal. Hopefully, I can get him to some rides and we can do some more. I and got, so I have an assignment for there. you for next month. Okay. You're going to have to guesstimate this. You're not going to be able to figure that accurately. I want you to figure out how many pairs of horse boots, how many uh, pairs of breeches, how many, you know, how many different things you've been <laughs> through since you started riding endurance. It would be crazy okay. numbers. <laughs> the, you know, the amount of stuff that you accumulate as an endurance rider or just anybody with horses for a long period of time, it's just, it, it is mind-boggling how Do you much have stuff the bit there bucket? is. You know, not really. I have my Myler bits. I've got probably five of them and some Hackamores. And um, it, the, see, that's the other cool thing with endurance is 
when you the tack is so well made for the purpose that it lasts forever. Like we always joke about our biothane tack that you can you only get new tack when you get a new horse, so you can get a different color or something because <laughs> it never wears out. <laughs> it just lasts forever. But I am using like the original set of reins on Chief that I've only ever used on him his entire career and I've been writing him for over 20 years and uh, no they're just it's a rope rein and it's made out of yeah and and I like that because I like the weight and the feel of it and also when you're at an away vet check or something it also doubles as like just a regular rope for tying the horse or holding the horse with um but I've got other uh, lots of other tack and equipment that just it lasts and lasts and lasts, which is wonderful, especially, you know, if you take care of it. And most of the stuff's easy to clean and take care of. And, um, you know, I did just get a month or so ago, I got um, the rest of my new horse, Apollo. I got the rest of his tack. So now he's all matching and um, everything is you know, of course, color coordinated, <laughs> which is fun. Um, you know, and and that's kind of kind of neat. Um, it, you know, I'm kind of going back to one of my original horses. He was a bright blue color, and now the the similar color, just slightly different, is now called electric blue. So I still have tack and stuff from that horse from 25 years ago that is still in really good condition and shape and now i'm using it on the new horse there you go and you know i have uh, my harness is biothane and i think i've had that for eight years now and and, you know i just you're right it just lasts forever and it does Uh the nice thing about that in florida is if we had if i had a leather harness i would have to keep in the house because of the right. mold. The and humidity. this way I can just uh-huh. leave it outside and then once a month I soak it and, and wash it in the dishwasher. Um, <laughs> and it comes out perfect. <laughs> Let's not tell the landlords you, I do that, okay? Um. You know, well, we got a new dishwasher not too long ago and uh, of course it took forever to get because of the COVID stuff. Yeah, that kind of it, stuff is it, just non-existent. It did, but I have not yet used it to wash my tack in so i think your brand new dishwasher do a great job you know it's a smart dishwasher (laughs) (laughs) well no is there a tack setting that's (laughs) exactly i can make my own tack setting it's gonna be like extra steam (laughs) that's right (laughs) well let's uh, talk about apollo that's your new horse and uh how old is he again He's 11, 11 going right. on 12. And How's he doing? He, How's his training? You're training him up for a season here. He, well, we are. We're hoping to. He's um, an Anglo-Arab, and he's a little bit bigger than um, Chief. Chief's like 15, 15 one. Apollo's a little bit bigger than that. Um, and he's prior to me getting him, he had just mostly been like, I call him yard art. So he was just basically doing nothing except, you know, being an ornament uh, for four or five years. And so his conditioning and his like his recoveries when I first started working him were just I don't think I'd ever, ever seen a horse that I've had with recoveries as slow as he had. I mean, he would like 
we'd come in from a ride or from me just working him in the field and his pulse would be up at like 70 or 80 and it, and I'd keep checking it and check and finally it would drop, but it was like, Oh my gosh. So, you know, I started trying to get him on a program where I was keeping his heart rate up for extended periods, you know, but still only we're talking 15, 20 minutes at a time, you know, three or four days a week at a, on a consistent basis. And so Finally, in the last two or three weeks, we've gotten him now where I can work him for 30, 40, 50 minutes with keeping his heart rate up and he'll come and he'll drop right down into the 30s. Oh, wow. So it's just, it is. And, you know, and it's sort of like, well, it's not really fair to compare him to the horse with 15,000 miles. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, but but on the other hand, the horse with 15,000 miles is like 26 years old and he's got a big, super heavy winter coat. Cause I, you know, I think as my horses, all of them, as they have gotten older, they tend to get, you know, thicker, heavier winter coats. And Apollo doesn't have nearly as much of a coat. Plus, he's much younger. So it's like, you know, at first I was like really concerned. I'm like, why is this horse's recovery so bad? Why, you know, um, and then we just kept working on it. And one of the things that has helped me a lot um, was using the Equilab app. And and I know we've mentioned our apps and uh, favorite apps that we like, you know, like the Ride with GPS one and some of the others that we use to ride with. But the Equilab app is really great because when I use it when I'm writing, it will tell me, it's actually able to tell me how much time, how many minutes I am spending at each gate. So how much time I'm spending at a walk or a trot or a canter. And so then that gives me a nice baseline so that I can then, you know, go at in more, you know, more of a scientific increment incremental type of way as I improve Apollo's workload and, and, you know, move forward so that I don't hurt him. You you know, I mean, luckily he is older, so it's a little different than if I was starting with a horse that was only four or five, but because he did sit for so long, um, clearly his cardio was, definitely in need of a, a tune-up but I needed to bring him back into shape in a way so that we wouldn't overdo it and cause him to get you know have any issues or or problems or you know get you know cause an injury or lameness and so the Equilab app which you can find they have it on Apple and Android and it's actually a very popular app but it's it's really useful because You can also um, share it with other people, like if you're going out to ride by yourself and use it as a tracker. Or your um, coach. Right, right. And, you know, and, and, and of course you can also look at later, look at your actual tracks on it to see, you you know, how, um, you know, how your work workouts are progressing and how you're going and, and stuff like that. Now, is that the one where you can also track uh, like your horse shows and things like that too? You can. Yeah. And it it's does not allow just you a GPS app. It does more than that. Right. And I, you can enter different horses 
so you can track the different, you know, if you have more than one that you ride and so that you can keep, you know, keep track of it. But it's been very, very helpful for me, um, you know, with Apollo, because it's, it's like I don't I didn't want to go out and, you, you know, when a horse is having his pulse take that long to recover you realize you've got to be careful you don't want to overdo it and um and so this has been really helpful and um you, you know I still haven't quite figured out a way if I'm just gonna be working him like um I I call it free lunging I have an acre field that I let the horses run around together and that helps keep their heart rate up for 15, 20 minutes at a time. But I haven't quite yet figured out a way to attach it to him so that <laughs> I can kind of track that way. I just sort of do it because I've been, you know, doing that with my horses for so long that it's a good way. Um, and that's what I always did like leading up to Tevis is doing heat training with the horses. Um, with a sheet on them and and that always helped and i've always seen really good improvements with their heart rate but the other thing that's really useful and we've talked about before is using a heart monitor or a gps and those are all really useful tools for working on getting a horse into condition cool now the um and this is not a paid advertisement, by the way. Uh, so the Equilab app uh, also, I read, it works with Icelandic courses, so it knows what a tolt is as well, I guess. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just had the lady on who does trips to Iceland, and they're riding 50, uh, 50 days. They're doing 1,200 kilometers uh, around Iceland this summer. Cool. So, so that that's going to be kind of a cool trip. It also integrates with the Google Fit app, and I'm wondering... Obviously, that's for the person, so I'm kind of confused to how it integrates with that other than maybe it just shows yours. I don't know. Um, I know, you know, and it is it, like I've used a Fitbit watch type yeah. of thing. And, you know, you go out on a ride and you come back and it shows you did, you know, 30,000 steps or right, something. Right. Um, <clears throat> it's, it, Yeah, the human translation doesn't always really work that well when you're riding yeah. a horse yeah. but but you know so what you're still out there doing something yeah, right. anyway <laughs> that's what counts well that's the that's so that's the equilab app so if you had to pick between that and uh ride with gps which one would you pick you know they're both different things that like the ride with gps which is, is what is i a, use when i ride my bike and we go out for trail yeah. rides we use that but see, some of the ride managers have been using that to mark their trails with so that you can download that trail onto your phone. And while you're riding, it will actually, by voice command, tell you where to make a turn. Oh, so you're, or if you're or, off course. I, I got or you. tell yeah. you that you're off course or whatever. And so it's like com a complete different thing. Like the Equilab is more for when you're conditioning and, you know, bring out, bringing along a horse and you just want to know, like, I know initially when I started using the Equilab app, I used to think I cantered a lot more than I actually <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that works. <laughs> it's like, I'd come back and I'd look and it would show I cantered for four minutes. I'm like, <laughs> really? That was it. <laughs> but see, you cover so much more ground when you're, cantering that it just seems like it's longer than it is <laughs> so <laughs> all right let's uh so let's talk to the, the convention happened and there were some award winners so let's talk uh -huh. about those 
Yes, they did an online convention over the weekend, and the AARC um, did their annual award recipients. And let me list them. The Hall of Fame person is Connie Burns Cottle, and Connie's in the Southeast region. And we've had her on the show a couple of times. She's also an AARC director. So uh, let's uh, just say a big congrats to her and to uh, these others. We have the Hall of Fame horse is Thunder's Lightning Bar owned by Pat Chappelle. And I know about uh, this horse. It was a quarter horse and it has the record of completing the Tevis the most times. And, and we've had Pat on as a guest as well and her daughter too. Um, and uh, Thunder's Lightning Bar completed Tevis, I believe it was 13 times. So that was a well-deserved award. And then our first guest this morning is the recipient of the AARC Partners Award. And that's Dolly DeCare and her horse Wazir's Karate. And then we have a volunteer service award went to Regina Rose, who is a ride manager in the Northwest region. And the Ann Parr Trails Preservation Award went to Deidre Munro. Well, congratulations to all of them. Now, you also had a note here, and I have to ask about this, that you bought silicone breeches. Full silicone breeches. I didn't even know they made full silicone breeches. They do. And it's kind of kind of a cool thing. What brand I thought, are oh. they? What? Um, they're Fits. Fits, okay. Uh huh. And um, and are I they was like, sticky. You know, they kind of are, and I'm not. I haven't gotten to ride in them for any more than like an hour or two yet, so I don't really know how I'm gonna like them for, say, an endurance ride or for an all day ride. I just was thinking with. Because I've heard after I um, met up with Apollo's original owners that he can be quite the little spook monster. So I thought, oh, this will be kind of cool. Help me hopefully stay stuck in the saddle if he does any, you know, sideways. There, you'll be good to go. <laughs> exactly. But so so here's my my first world equestrian problem as I've ridden both horses with him and neither one of them would spook. <laughs> So I don't really know how sticky they are. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you're sticking? I mean, when you move around, is it tough to move around? Or no, not really. They seemed fine. They, they seemed warm? they were comfortable. Um, yeah, they're they're warm. See, and that's the thing is, I'm not sure if it's like a hundred degree day, how warm it, they're yeah, going to feel. I would like I would wear more in the heat than the cold. Am, I think. Right? Yeah. Am I going to feel like I'm sort of semi? stuck on like a suction cup to the saddle, <laughs> which is kind of what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> the older you get, the more you want that. <laughs> yes, the ground starts to get harder and harder and farther away. <laughs> well, yeah, and your horse is bigger, so now you got to get on. That's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, um, looking forward to doing some more rides in them as the weather does start to warm up. Well, I'd be We're interested to hear from listeners. If you, are any listeners out there riding in silicone breeches? I'd be interested to hear about that. <laughs> So let us know well, how, what your it's, experience is. It's not, it's not like a solid silicone. It's just like dots. Oh, okay. You got, okay. Cause I was picturing solid silicone and they almost look like <laughs> shiny leather. You know, it's like, like a, right, like a wetsuit right. is what I was kind yeah, of picturing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's sort of like a, just, it, it's dotted. Okay, and so, right. that makes so me that feel keep... better. I was wondering who was starting to make wetsuit right. breaches. Yeah. 
<laughs> hey, I wanted to make a comment too. There was a post in, and you probably saw it, in the auditor room about helmets and why bicycle helmets that have MIPS technology in them now are so much cheaper than other helmets and what makes, or than, than equestrian helmets and what makes mm-hmm. them any better or worse than equestrian helmets. And there's a lot of reasons that uh, equestrian helmets, one, are more expensive and two, are rated different and are are supposed to be better, the quote-unquote, than bike helmets. And I have somebody coming on Monday. I just wanted to let everybody know. I have somebody coming on Monday, one of their engineers from Charles Owens coming on. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to ask him the questions. Why is it more expensive? And because mm-hmm. I, you know, the comment was made on, one of the comments on that thread said that some endurance riders now are just using bike helmets. Oh, they have for years. Yeah. Some I, I assume that have. helmets are not mandatory in endurance then. No, okay. just for juniors. Okay. Like juniors and they probably can't use bike helmets. They have to use STM. S- it, right. Yeah. Exactly. But exactly. you know what? You can get a, you know, I ride in a Troxel that's $50. So you don't, you don't have to, now it doesn't have MIPS technology. So, um, you don't, you know, you don't, so there is a difference there, right? It's, it's just a regular exactly. question. Right. And then th- traditionally the bike helmets don't come down far enough in the back of your head, which is where like an equestrian is more likely to fall off and hit the back of their head versus a bicycle right. that right. falls. Um, y- you know, although there's although they are nicer of- and lighter and cause I have bicycle helmets when I ride my bike and they're, uh-huh. they're so nice. <laughs> I know, and there's lots of other nice helmets that they use for other sports as well now that that look nice, but a lot of them just don't have the ventilation that you want with an equestrian helmet. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the one of the things too, usually with their bike, you 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 can be going faster than you are when you're riding a horse. So it's interesting that bike helmets don't have the degree of protection that an equestrian helmet, because you're riding on macadam a lot of times, right? Um, and you have the risk of getting hit by a car. Of course, you get hit by a car, your helmet's not going to matter much. Um, right. you know, well, that's so, true. For the, mo- for, the most, uh, for the most part, anyway. Right, uh, right. But yeah, yeah, so anyway, we're going to address that on Monday. I just wanted to let you know. Oh, good. But, uh, good. We're, we're, uh, you know, I thought, why not get somebody on who can actually answer the question scientifically? Mm-hmm. So we'll do that as well. And, you know, part of the reason that they are expensive is they can get away with it. <laughs> that is part of the reason. It's like sure. anything oh, else. Sure. Yeah, it's like anything else. Yeah. And plus, I think that, you know, we have horses and everything's required to be expensive. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> it does rule. seem that way, doesn't it? It is a rule. I mean, it's a rule. It's just like golfers <laughs> say the same thing about golf, and you know, they all everybody says the same thing about whatever they're into. Your husband. Uh-huh. Oh, by the way, hang around for the auditors can hang around. We're going to do a post show with Karen today because I'm going to talk about one of her husband's hobby hobbies that is also very expensive. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that, and you can find out what that is in the post show today. So hang around for that. Uh, we haven't talked about that on the air, but we're not. We're going to tease him. We're not going to tell him what that hobby is, but. Has he spent more money over the years or have you? Well, it's kind of not really a contest. I'm so far ahead just based on the cost of a truck and trailer that, um, yeah. Now, if we were just going by the horse cost, it might be kind of more even. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, let's get, uh, speaking of costs, let's call Kristen at Distance Depot and find out she's going to chat with us today about horse trailer accessories, which is appropriate because later in the show we have coming up, uh, we have coming up somebody that's going to talk about horse trailer safety. Well, hi, Kristen. Thanks for coming back again this month. And we're talking about horse trailer stuff, stuff we can take in our horse trailer. So what you got? Well, um, we have a whole page on the left-hand side navigation menu under um, horse trailer and truck. You can find the horse trailer truck accessories. Um, We also have good things in that menu like caution horses reflective stickers that go on the outside of your trailer. Great for safety vinyl stickers, um, you know, that say caution horses or please stay back. Um, We even have one that says endurance horses. Um, And then... Can you make um, one that says caution horses, my horse will poop on your car? Um, I think that would be more effective, actually, than just caution horses. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. People don't know that you can't stop um, as quickly as they can. So. Having those, um, and they're reflective, uh, you know, so great at night as well. Um, And we also have, like, not-for-hire stickers, so um, that's kind of cool. But as far as the trailer accessories for the trailer, um, we have just a pretty good variety of of trailer ties, bungee ties, adjustable trailer ties, so you can adjust your horse where you want him inside the trailer and out. And, of course... um, a wide variety of hay bags. Um, if you don't have a manger, we have the corner hay bags that you can use in the trailer. It comes with the mounting hardware and so on. Um, but of course, regular hay bags in anymore. There's such a variety. It seems we have nibble nets um, for the slow feeders and other slow feeders, and then we have. The Trailrights Mesh Hay Bag, which probably a bunch of your listeners are, are aware of. This is awesome. It holds a ton of hay. It's huge, um, great for camping um, for a long time. Your horse won't run out of hay in that thing. I don't think there's um, a lot of room in it. And, of course, we have window screens for the trailer. Um, so some that just Velcro on and others that come with mounting hardware to install if you don't have the bars. Um, and uh, full organizer bags, and by that I mean they attach inside the trailer with little pockets so you can put your fly spray and your leg wraps and ankle boots and all of that good stuff in a variety of sizes, too. We have small ones for the manger underneath if you have the manger compartment in your trailer, and then, of course, long ones and half-door organizers, so lots of choices there. Um, and the list goes on. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot, lot of stuff full, here. Yeah, Whip waterproof full and, bail bags to, yeah. to store your hay. Uh, um, hey, we have a lot outside. of we have a lot of stuff. We've got to organize it. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Um, so you'll find all that stuff on the website. And then, of course, there's hay and gear bags too, which are awesome. And we can embroider those so you can put your name on it or your farm name, um, so that at a vet check, you know, yours has your name on it. Um, but those are awesome. The the hay and gear bags, you can put hay in there. You can put your ice boots, your leg wraps, a jacket, a blanket, and so on. So lots of great choices there. And, of course, you go to distancedepot.thedistancedepot.com to find that. And you also find uh, Horse Radio Network there on the left side of the page. Uh, Distance <laughs> Depot does our embroidery for us. So you can find 
shirts and t-shirts and uh, sweatshirts and vests and hats and all kinds of stuff. And you can get horses in the morning uh, or Horse Radio Network logos put on there. You can also find the stickers there. Uh, That's I, right. I, I bought a lot of those and sent them out to people. You can also get people ask where to get the saddle pads. They have the uh, Quilted Square English pads for $13 plus the embroidery. <laughs> and then they also have the... Uh, the PRI thin cotton dressage underpads and also the all-purpose underpads, which are shaped. So you can find theirs there, too. And they're like $18. And they can get the embroidery put on them, and you're representing. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's lots of different stuff there, as well as the trailer accessories. And you can find that under horse, trailer, and truck on the left side. Thank you, Kristen. We appreciate That's you stopping right. by again. Thanks, Thank Kristen. You. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And the other thing that's really cool about Distance Depot, Glenn, is they are so fast. When, like, I did my custom order like a month ago for Apollo, the rest of his tack. And oh my gosh, they shipped it out and it came all the way across country and I had it in like less than a week. They are fast. You know, they get the embroidery done. She must be at that machine all day because they get the embroidery (laughs) done really quick. (laughs) Exactly. And they do it, you know, the. No matter what you need from them, they custom make it, and it always comes out wonderful. You know, I've I've heard, I've seen people complain about lots of other companies, but I never see any complaints about the Disney Depot. So that that says something too. Yes, I've never had any problems. Although I'm sure if we did, they would take care of it right away. It's uh, yeah, they're great. We've known her for a long time. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to our first guest of the day and tell us a little bit about Dolly. Okay. Our first guest is Dolly DeCare, and her and her horse, Wazir's Karate, was just awarded the AARC Partners Award at the convention. Dolly is 84 years old, and she is still riding, even with having two, I believe, two hip replacements. Her horse, Karate, who was an endurance stallion, has an incredible race record. He won many, many, many rides in best condition. He's got, he did over 3,395 miles. And I know she bred many horses from him that also had stellar careers in the sport. And so let's get uh, Dolly on the line. Okay, good morning, Dolly. Thank you for joining us. So let's get started. Tell us how you got involved with endurance. How did I get involved with endurance? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, when I lived in California and got newly married, I had always loved horses and I hadn't had any for a while. So my husband then got me one and we ended up, we lived in an apartment then and had to board, but he remembered a friend he was in school with and et cetera, had a boarding stable out in the Almaden Valley in California. So we moved out there so I could be near the horse, <laughs> lived in a tiny little bungalow, uh, but across the street from me happened to be a man named Verl Norton. Mm-hmm. And he uh, won the great American horse race way back then. And he always had tons of horses and so uh and mules. Yeah, and a mule, though his favorite was Arabians, but he did brag m- mules up in that 
cross country race because they would uh, lay down and sleep better and tied with the rope around their ankle, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I rode a lot of his horses for him because he, he, he kind of, if they, he would get a lot of problem horses and it was kind of either they made it there or maybe they went to Safeway meat market. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, that's how I heard about endurance. I, I was from Washington. I never even, never even knew such a thing existed. So that's how I got my start. And that was in the seventies. No, or that 80s. was in eighties. About okay. uh, about uh, uh, the very early eighties. Okay. Uh, how yeah, were, how old 80s. were you when you started riding endurance? Forty three. Oh wow! Okay, so you didn't start when you I'm were in your twenties. Now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I was forty three. I think when I did my first ride. Wow. Okay. So now let's go on to your horse karate and tell us about him, how you came to get him. Okay. Well, going back to the boarding stable, I rode a lot of people's horses there and they were mainly stallions that people were, uh, for some reason, uh, the wrong people get them and they don't really like them and they get scared of them. And then, so I rode, uh, a Peruvian Paso there. I rode there, the people that owns the ranch, uh, their Morgan show stallion. And they also had a little Arab stallion that I rode. And uh, anyway, the fellow that owned the ranch was very, uh, he was a gambler. And I started riding this little horse that wasn't mine in endurance. And he'd come over in the middle of the night <laughs> And he expected me to win the ride because didn't know it was so depressing. And my husband, we ended up buying that horse so that I could ride my own ride and not feel I had to do something the horse wasn't ready for. Well, it ended up, uh, and he was an adorable horse and I loved him, but he just wasn't cut out to be an endurance horse. And we had our eye on this uh, Arab karate. He had been five, was five, and the, the man was Ad Vanden Hogan. He was a dear friend of Verl's, and we were friends. Well, my husband asked him if he would save him uh, for us till we sold the one we had that we ended up buying till we could get karate. I had no idea then that he would even be turn out to be what he was, but that decision cost us our place at the ranch there because the the lady that owned the little Arab stallion we bought, she didn't ride, but she loved him. And when we sold him, because uh, at a boarding stable, I couldn't afford a herd of horses. Mm-hmm. And my husband said, well, if you want to do endurance, He's not cut out. You have to make this decision. Well, it upset them so bad uh, we had to leave. Anyway, that's how I got him. <laughs> Let's talk about his career because he had quite a long career and he was very, very successful. So how did you learn that he was going to do as well as he did? Uh, be honest. 
I did not. I didn't have an, any idea. It just happened. He had, <laughs> yeah, he didn't have. He had a few rides, uh, maybe four or five. And I, when when Ad Vanden Hogan sold him to us, I've told everyone is. <laughs> And he knew how I rode. I, it was just my nature. I was a high energy. Uh, that's just me. And he, when he sold it to us, he said, well, I know you're going to probably ride the piss out of him, but he <laughs> will never want for a better home. And he said, he, I know he will never reach his potential with me, though Ad had 10 Tevis buckles and... Uh, I think 20 riding tie buckles. He rode, but he kind of just rode to finish. And, uh, but he wanted me to have the horse. So that's how I ended up. And, uh, gee whiz, Karen, we just started out. He was just magnificent. It's yeah. And so you primarily rode in the West region mostly. Yes, I rode in the, yeah, I rode, did a lot of rides. Uh, the only other place I really rode a lot besides California was Nevada. We just, I just couldn't afford, um, you know, to go that much and that far. And mm. like, like I admire you and what you've done. Oh, so much. But I knew never in a million years could, uh, I afford to go, you know, to a lot of rides and, uh, and my husband, he's the one that kind of <laughs> encouraged the competitive spirit. Mm -hmm. He used to ride, he used to have stock cars <laughs> anyway. And, th and that's how Burl was. And karate just kind of turned out uh, to be a natural and he loved it. I mean, I never had, and I know this is hard to believe but I had crossed the finish line with him after a hundred mile ride, Karen, and he would cross the line, throw his head up in the air and blow and snort <laughs> like a, I mean, he knew what it was. Because he loved his job. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. It's no fun to ride a horse that doesn't like his job. And in my estimation, you wouldn't do good in it. They have to love what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And he was a big guy, wasn't he? I, the pictures, yes. he, he looks like he had quite a lot of long legs on him. <laughs> yeah. Back then people kind of uh, thought he had some saddle bread in him because at that time, way back then uh, for an Arab, he, he was 16 hands. And uh, so a lot of times people would ask if he had, uh, you know, some uh, saddle bread in him. And at the very beginning, I did take criticism from some because uh, they thought he was too pretty to be an endurance horse. <laughs> I know. So was he, <laughs> you know, what, what was his breeding? He was mainly Egyptian. Egyptian. His, uh, yeah. His, his bloodline is very, very similar to uh, Crockett Dumas horses. Out of Ibn Manail, very mainly Egyptian. Okay, so he had good recoveries, he no doubt. A uh, grandson. Okay. Anyway. Oh, cool. And and then so then you went on to get involved in the breeding business. Well, yes, Karen, because and that's another thing, probably why I wrote. Uh, we. 
we uh, and the, the sad thing is we bought a, a mare that was uh, related to his bloodline for a, a match, you know, to, to raise, try to raise a few uh, horses to sell, you know. And then my husband ended up getting, uh, he had a heart, real bad heart attack, and we had to sell. And back then when he had that, if you had a heart attack, they treated you like an invalid. He was on like 45 pills a day. I ended up, and that mare was not broken. She, we got her for a brood mare. She was nine years old. And I thought, well, it's hard. We had to sell some horses. And so I broke, you know, brokered a ride. She won every single ride she did, which was maybe only five or six of them. The only one she didn't, we had got lost in uh, Nevada. They found us wandering around in, in the flea market in Dayton, Nevada. Oh, boy. <laughs> we still top 10 right, but I ended up then selling her to Italy, and it, it broke my heart. I, I, I hated it. I It was kind of our dream of raising, a, having two Egyptian Arabs kind of went down, you know, the tube. And my he- husband had a lot of... Uh, health issues off and on. And that was probably the reason too. I really couldn't afford to do that many rides and Mm -hmm. uh, karate ending up being the kind of horse he was. We did, we're blessed with uh, a good lot of people that bred to him. Many Tevis winners uh, bred to him. Boyd Zontilli, Marge Pryor, Aaron, you know, McChesney, Lori Stewart. You know, he was, he was, uh, Unbelievable horse. I, I still dream of him like I'm sure you dream of yours. Sure. Yeah. He was a gorgeous horse. I got and how I want to jump in here real quick. So, you know, I'm listening to all of this and I know you're still riding and, and we already we already gave away your age. Um and and everybody at your age always get asked the same question is what's the key to to you still being out there and they usually come back with they drink like a fifth of vodka every day or something like that um so, so what well, <laughs> what's your answer um uh, my answer is i love to ride and i love endurance and i love horses everything i still the sad part is and it's still because i lost my husband about 12 years ago and live on a very small social security Last year was the first year I I never got to do a ride because I had no truck. Uh, The thing that would kill me now going to rides is sleeping in a nice cold horse trailer. (laughs) Getting up in the morning. Mainly, and if it wasn't, I think, for riding, because of my age now, and I know I have a lot of arthritis, it's real hard in the morning, and there are mornings that I say, oh, I just think I'll stay in bed with my dog and forget about it. But I got to get up to feed my horse. <laughs> He's waiting <laughs> for me. It's really loving to ride. And to me, if you love to ride and you love the horse, uh, the sport of endurance uh, just fits the bill because, and there's nothing to me, and I'm sure Karen knows that is the bonding that you have between you and your horse because you're mm-hmm. out there just you and him for hours. I mean, uh, it's, I can't explain uh, the feeling of companionship that it, that gives you, you trust each other. It, yeah, I just, that's what keeps me riding. I ride even though I can't do many 
afford to go to many rides. And now this pandemic, this last two years, that when no one's with. Anyway, but that's why I ride. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about the horse you're riding now. Well, he's the last son I have out of karate. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we had to sell my mare, uh, another gal who bred to karate a number of times had a very nice uh, mare. And I knew uh, because we lost our mare, we kind of made a deal. She wanted to breed again. I didn't have a mare. So the deal was, okay, I won't, this time we'll breed the mare. If it's a colt, it's yours. And if, I mean mine, and if it's silly, it's yours. Well, it ended up, it was a colt. And I, knowing uh, that probably be the last one I had, because I was getting up there then, uh, because when I was second in the Tevis, I was 65. My husband was rather upset because I had sold one horse to make room for this colt. And uh, let's see, that's why I named him Karate's Carbon Copy, mm-hmm. because he was a big chestnut colt. And I figured he'd probably be the last one. Uh, and now, let's see, he was two when we moved here. He will be 21 or 22 in August the 8th, and I was 85 last oh, month. 85, okay. <laughs> wow. Gosh, d- d- how, how did all those years go by so fast, Dolly? <laughs> what did you, you say, Karen? <laughs> how did all those years go by so fast? Oh, I know it. I can't even believe it, Karen. I, I'm in shock. It's just like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem but, like yesterday. I remember seeing you ride out of the vet check at the Comstock ride up in Reno one year. With, and you had your lipstick on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all oh, this mask thing. This is killing me. <laughs> I still put my lipstick on every day. Yes, we got <laughs> oh. Yes, that's got to be. We know what color the inside of her mask is. We we know that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Gosh, well, Dolly, let's just say a great big congratulations to you, and uh, hope to that you get to keep riding for many more years. So, Dolly, before you go though, you you helped probably a lot of youngsters along the way. What's the one thing you always tell them when when they want to start riding endurance and you know want to be somebody? In endurance, what do you tell them? Well, to be honest with you, I haven't uh, rode with that many youngsters mainly because people were scared. I ride a they couldn't and keep up with running, <laughs> But I would tell them, I would, I tell this whether they're young or old, is <laughs> there's nothing better for young children of any age to get involved with horses and to just keep the love, keep enjoying it. And as far as endurance, everybody has a different spot, a a different uh, goal maybe they had. Like I'd love to be like Karen and have, often I have laid awake at night and thinking, well, because she's seen so much part of the country and have enjoyed things I haven't been able to do, but 
how I rode kind of fit my style and and I was promoting a stallion and uh, so that's how I rode but I recommend the sport of endurance to young people I I just don't think there's anything better and even the average person can afford some kind of horse uh, and it gives them something to do keeps them out of trouble and uh, and then something they can do if they really like it the rest of their lives so I love seeing young people ride horses very good well that's a good answer I like that answer congratulations I can't, I can't, I can't claim that I've <laughs> you know been a big influence to young people because I haven't really had the, the privilege of, of you know riding with a lot of uh, young people well, I'm just glad your answer wasn't the uh, uh, fifth of vodka day. I'm, I'm just still glad that wasn't the answer. <laughs> no, that, no, that wasn't. I do enjoy a good margarita after the ride, or and I'm not a beer drinker, but after a good hot ride in the sun, I I kind of enjoy a cold uh, I'll beer. I'll tell you what, I'd be right it. there with you. I'm not a beer drinker either, but I do like my sweet girly drinks. So I'd be right there with yeah. you. A strawberry daiquiri, a margarita, okay. we'll be good shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks dolly <Yeah. laughs> oh gosh well, thanks thank dolly have a well, good day thank you, dear. you too thank you dear <laughs> bye bye <laughs> she's a trip <laughs> <laughs> you told me before we started i didn't want to say this with dolly here but you told me before we started that uh dolly wrote a stallion so everybody knew that you need to get out of dolly's way when she was coming through because <laughs> Dolly was going to go out. She was going to pass you. <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of did. And she she did, did really well for a you long time. She's she's the one, though, that you want to meet in the after party. That's who you want to meet. You want to meet Dolly <laughs> in the after party. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit. You know, when you go out there on your long rides and when you're training up your new horse, you have to put boots on. So Apollo, I'm sure, <laughs> sure wears uh, renegade boots as well. So tell us yes, about that. Yes, I've got them in Vipers. They've been working really good for him, which is great. Uh, you know, when I first got him, he was a little bit foot sensitive. So we've been building up from there. And um, I was using boots on him even just for doing arena work on good footing. Um, and they worked great. Um, fit The fit is... There's a couple different models of boots. There's the classic Renegade and then there's the Viper model. And... Uh, so if anybody's listening and they're not quite sure which one is going to work for them, you can take photos or a, a drawing of your horse's hooves and send it into Renegade and they will help you with the fitting and the sizing. The other cool thing with the Renegades is that they come in a whole rainbow of colors. So you can match to your horse's tack or just use a different color boot for each horse so that you can tell the sizes apart, which makes it really convenient. And to learn more, you can go to renegadehoofboot.com. Very good. Renegadehoofboot.com. And they're, and they're made in the United States, which is really cool, in Arizona. Well, let's uh, head away from seniors riding endurance and talk a little bit about how to keep our horses safe on the way to the endurance ride. And uh, t we have a guest coming up to talk about that, don't we? Yes, Dwayne. Russell, who travels extensively and camps across the United States, and I believe he even has gone to Canada, and he is a really knowledgeable person on horse trailer safety, 
and we're going to talk with him and get some good tips on a few different things regarding our horse trailers. Good morning, Dwayne. Thank you for joining us. And I'm looking forward to talking about trailer horse trailer safety with you this morning. Good morning. Thank you. All right. So tell us, what do you think are the most important points to know about trailer safety? Well, I think trailer safety really falls into four basic categories. Uh, the first being tires and brakes. The second being the coupling system. The third being flooring. And the fourth being the electrical and lighting systems. Now, if you'd like me to, to elaborate on that, we'll talk a little bit about tires and brakes first. Okay. Okay. Tires and brakes uh, are, are obviously the most uh, common wear item on a horse trailer, and they're the thing that people most think about. Uh, but a lot of times what we fail to do is we fail to inspect them on an often enough basis. Every time you get your horse trailer hooked up to the truck, you should be out checking the tires on your horse trailer. You're going to be looking for cracking or checkering on the sidewall. You're, you're going to be looking for wear either on the outside edge of the tire or the inside edge of the tire that indicates that there's a camber problem or abnormal wear that might indicate that there's a scuffing issue, meaning one of the axles is out of alignment. Uh, right. Perhaps the most important thing on uh, tires is tire pressure. You know, a tire gauge is your best friend. Make sure mm -hmm. that all the tires are equalized so that the trailer's running the same pressure across all the tires, and therefore they're staying the same temperature. Underinflated tires tend to run different temperatures than properly inflated tires, and of course, they wear differently. When it comes to the rest of the trailer, as far as concerned, wheel bearings are probably the number one issue. Uh, too often we replace the tires, but we seldom repack the wheel bearing and do basic axle maintenance. And this causes a lot of problems going down the road. People, you've, you've seen the classic situation where, you know, bearing seizes up and the tire comes off or, you know, a bearing seizes up and the trailer catches fire. And the best way to prevent that is to simply replace the, t the bearings when you do the tires. Regrease it, make sure there's fresh grease in the bearings all the time, and you're going to get a much easier pull trailer. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one that uh, our guy recommends once a year. What do you say to that? You know, I, I would agree. I, I think once a year is ideal, but it would be also depending on the amount of traveling. I mean, if you're a professional horse hauler, obviously you're going to do it more often. Right. But if you're a you know, recreational horse hauler and your trailer sits over the winter, you know, in the spring is the right time to do that, right? Mm -hmm. To check your tires and check your brakes and, you know, go through the, the axles and make sure all the wheel bearings are done. And of course, braking now is the next big story in this picture. Uh, brakes need to be properly adjusted and they also need to be uh, maintained. And we have different kinds of braking systems on horse trailers. We have electric brake systems. We have hydraulically actuated disc brake controller. So we have different wear mechanisms and we have different service intervals based on that. So based on the type of trailer you have, you're going to want to take it in periodically and have the brakes looked at. And you'll know when you're pulling it, you'll know it either, it either breaks properly and trims properly with a brake controller or it doesn't. And if it's starting to get to that point where it feels like it's just a little bit fleshy, that's a good time to take it and have brakes checked. Mm-hmm. Right, and we always um, drive around the neighborhood practicing the adjustments once it's loaded, too, because it, you know, breaks differently when it's empty versus loaded with the horses in it. Completely true. Uh, as a matter of fact, you probably are adjusting brakes differently for where you live. 
if you live here in the Rocky Mountain Range where, you know, we have a lot of heavy, you know, crawling uphill and downhill, you know, maybe mm-hmm. trimming brakes to come on a little bit sooner and a little harder uh, versus if you're in the Midwest and on flat ground, you know, traveling at regular highway speeds, you don't need the, the heavier adjustments. So mm-hmm. obviously trimming that brake controller is important to where you live and you may be adjusting it on a long trip. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's next? Okay, the next thing I'd like to go into is the gooseneck coupler or uh, tongue fill coupler, the emergency breakaway system, and the safety chains. You know, too often we're, we think of these as non-wear items, and they are actually wear items. The coupler itself and the gooseneck ball or the tongue fill ball do actually wear. They, once they get to a point where the metal is metal molded you know, onto each other and they, they start getting a little age on them, uh, we run the risk of jumping the ball. And when I say that, what I mean is, is the coupler slipping over the ball or uh, basically releasing the trailer. And that's the last thing you want to do in hauling. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't replaced the gooseneck ball, the tongue-toe ball, or the coupler in, say, you know, seven to ten years, uh, you know, again, depending on your wear pattern, right, it's something that you probably want to be looking at. To minimize wear on those two items, you want to periodically clean those couplers, uh, you know, wipe them out with a rag, maybe use a little bit of brake fluid, or I'm sorry, not brake fluid, uh, brake cleaning uh, spray and go in and okay. get all the grease out and the dirt out, and then reapply a good heavy-duty grease to make sure that uh, it's gliding smoothly. Safety chains are an absolute must. Most states have a law that says you have to use safety chains, Okay. Make sure that they're, they're in good mechanical condition, that they're not, you know, badly rusted through or pitted. Uh, make sure that they're properly connected with good fasteners because the safety chain's purpose in life is to make sure that your trailer doesn't get away from you, okay? You want to you wanna cross your safety chains with a tongue-toe trailer so that if the condition we just talked about, jumping the ball, occurs, that the front of the trailer lands in the cross safety chain and supports it so that the front of the trailer doesn't hit the highway. We had this happen. Um, so it was ages ago, eons ago, and the actual hitch cracked underneath the truck. So the whole thing fell down, didn't come unhitched from the ball, uh, but the whole thing fell down and basically came loose. And what saved what saved the truck and trailer from parting and going ways over a little bridge, by the way, um, was the safety chains. The only thing that saved the trip, it was a tag-along two-horse, and uh, we were hauling furniture at the time, not horses, thank God. Um, wow. And, uh, yeah, we had we were in Amish country, and we went to the barn there, and he said, oh, I could weld it all back together for you. And he did, right mm-hmm. there in his welder in the barn. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, so, but those chains are what saved the whole thing. Absolutely. You know, and they're just, they're such a critical part of the safety. I mean, to be honest, though, Dwayne, they don't look like they'd save anything. They look like they'd just snap, but they didn't. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's, it's strange because when, when a trailer truck jumps the ball, whether it's a gooseneck or a tongue to a trailer, you know, it's got to land somewhere, right? And you only have a percentage of the trailer's weight on those chains. Idyllically, you know, we talk about the anatomy of a gooseneck failure, you know, uh, let's say that, you know, you were in a hurry and the kids were, you know, running around and you were loading horses and someone distracted you and you hooked up the safety chains and you, you got the emergency breakaway clip, cable clipped on, but you forgot to lock the coupler. You go down the road and, you know, your scenario, bridge, well, you know, I use railroad tracks, right? It jumps off the ball and now the coupler's in the back of your truck. 
The only thing to prevent it from going out the back of your tailgate, ripping your tailgate off and then impacting the highway, potentially rolling because of the violent decelerization, uh, is those safety chains. You know, they're designed to keep the coupler mm-hmm. in the truck, right? And in the case of a tongue toe, they're designed to keep it from hitting the ground. That, if it's paired with a properly adjusted breakaway cable, and I'm going to this in a little more detail. Oh, you mean one that the battery's breakaway. charged, actually? Charged? And yeah. And that's, not that's, one that I haven't looked probably, at the battery in forever. You mean that one? Uh. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> the one. Uh, you know, the, the emergency breakaway system consists of a small 12-volt battery. It's usually about the size of a motorcycle battery. Uh, on a tongue-toe-type trailer, it's usually in the lower tack room. Uh, on a gooseneck, it's usually hidden up underneath the gooseneck infrastructure. It has a breakaway device. It has a little plastic pin in it and a cable that you attach to your vehicle. The idea being that when you jump the ball and the trailer starts rolling backwards that that cable pulls out before the safety chains reach their maximum limit okay the idea is just to trigger the brake system to come on before the chains are tight slack up those chains too tight and bring your vehicle to a controlled stop using the trailer brakes okay so if that battery's dead that system's not going to work if that emergency breakaway cable is too long, it will never get actuated. So we want to make sure that we go out and test that. The easiest way to test that is to hook up your safety chains and your emergency breakaway cable, lower your gooseneck down behind the ball, and slowly pull forward. Right. In other words, you know, you know, have a friend help. That's the easiest way to do this. Right. Have them standing here and just kind of inch forward. If your emergency breakaway cable doesn't pull out before your safety chains are tight. You need to trim it so that it does. Yeah, got it. And how do you do? You put a trickler uh, charger on your battery. I said I do something a little bit different with my trailer. I use a, a battery cutoff switches, and I have a, a dedicated charger specifically from the, the manufacturer of the battery that's a maintainer. And so if the trailer is sitting, you know, storage for a couple of months, I'm not getting the parasitic draw off the batteries and. And losing that. Now, the gooseneck battery is a different story. It's always hooked up, but as long as the uh, the breakaway pin is engaged, is is in place, it won't be engaged. Which means you need to periodically remove that battery, run a 12 volt tester over it, see how many volts it is. If it isn't 13 volts or thereabouts, you probably want to replace it. Okay. And I I have a question on the safety chains. What is the ideal length? It's going to vary, and I've seen okay. them in, in extreme length. I've seen them all the way up to 42 inches. I think uh, my living quarters rig, I think, are 36s, and so, uh, but they vary by type, and they vary by size. On the larger trailers where you get into, you know, 15, 18,000 pound living quarter trailers, these are generally G70 or above safety chains, and they're rated for specific snapping strength. Uh, on the lighter, smaller trailers, you have seen chains a third that size and in different lengths. And trucks have changed, which is a whole other story. Uh, you know, the average truck today is probably five inches taller than it was, say, 10 years ago. And so the positioning of the hitches has changed. I know between mm-hmm. my 350 and my 450, uh, the, the position of where they place the actual hitch is different. So, again, 
you got to, you know, really look at this and say, okay, does that same emergency breakaway cable work on two different trucks with two different position hitches? Because it doesn't. And they have to have two different cables for the two different trucks because mm-hmm. they're different right. lengths. What's the ne- next thing, Dwayne? Right, let's, let's talk a little bit about flooring. Okay. Okay. You know, clearly flooring is an issue because we have trailers today that have just about every kind of floor in them. We have aluminum interlocking floors. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of different materials that we pour over those floors. And you can't really see what's going on underneath that floor, which means periodically you need to crawl underneath that trailer and make sure there's no flooring damage and check the, the strength of the wells, make sure that they're not broken. Mm-hmm. Um, typical horse trailer, like a stock trailer, for example, that has a wooden floor, you probably want to pull the mats out. Typically look at that entire floor, both top and bottom, to make sure that it's not rotted. If you find any rotting in any of the timbers that were used for the flooring, pull it out and replace it. They're cheap. It'll save you a lot of pain, your horse a lot of pain, a lot of aggravation. Uh, it's not that big a deal to replace because they're simply just bolted in. And so flooring is a critical mass feature for anyone going down the road. We've mm-hmm. all heard of horror stories of the horse that went through the floor sure. and, you know, mm-hmm. had to be destroyed. Uh, it's not a difficult thing to do. Uh, as far as the electrical system is concerned, you know, it's, it's really important. And I, I know a lot of people now that are going out with their living quarters rigs are having to upgrade into commercial class licensing. You know, they have to do the walk around. You know, check that all the lights are working, that the turn signals are working, right. that the brake lights are coming on properly. And you know what? Everyone should be doing that, regardless of licensing class, right? You want to know that when you're out there on the road, you turn your signal on, someone's not trying to pass you on that side. That They know your intent. Um, like, I can't tell you how many accidents I've seen with horse trailers and, you know, folks running red lights and different things, or I thought you were going to do this. Uh, always signal your intentions, and it's really critical that all of your lights work. And that includes the safety taping uh, that goes along the bottoms of the edges and sometimes the back of the trailer. Uh, sometimes when you're out hauling, you know, at certain times of day, or if the trailer's parked, uh, you see these black sheeted trailers, you can't see them in the dark, right? Right. But the reflective tape tells you they're there. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're in a vehicle that has gone out, you know, it's quit, right? Uh, that, that, that reflective tape can save you and your horse's life for approaching vehicles if you don't have safety triangles, which is another consideration you should be carrying. Uh, there are two items that I'd like to cover today that I think everyone should be carrying, okay? One is fire extinguishers. I really think you need two separate and distinct fire extinguishers for your rig, okay? The first one being a type ABC, and that should be for your truck. That is for oil, gas, grease, those types of fires, uh, which we will commonly see. The second one is going to be a type A, which is a water-based fire extinguisher, which is generally good for um, you know, natural materials like shavings and straw and things that you people use to bed their trailers with. You know, we talked about this earlier where, you know, a horse was burned in a trailer. Uh, it's kind of an, an interesting story. Somebody was driving by and they flicked a cigarette out. Somehow that went through the open drop-down window of the trailer and it set the shavings on fire and burned this horse. Well, the horse started dancing around the trailer. The owner realized something was wrong, pulled over, found the interior of the trailer on fire. Uh, you know, without a proper fire extinguisher, all I can do is bail the horse out, right? Well, what if you had four horses in that trailer? 
going to take some time to get them out. I carry a, an Amorex two and a half gallon water fire signature and it's pressurized up to about a hundred pounds. And standing on the back ramp, I can soak the front wall for about 35 seconds before I start running out of pressure. Okay. Which means I can get all of those horses wet and go in after them one after another if I have to myself, which I recommend you, if you have to go into a burning trailer, you know, always hose yourself down with it first to give you, you know, a better chance. Right, because I don't think there's a person in the world that wouldn't run into a burning trailer to save their horse. Right. Uh, so, water-based specifically for the horse trailer because you don't want to be spraying, you know, chemical, you know, dust-type charged into the horse's eyes or into their. Okay. The other thing is an infrared uh, temperature gauge. Um, I've had times when I was out pulling the trailer, I was pulling across Yellowstone. It seemed heavy to me. You know, I, didn't, I couldn't understand why. It just seemed it was dragging. And I pulled over and parked. I got out, and I run my temperature gauge across that trailer, and they were hot. I mean, hot, hot. Oh tires were hot. Significantly hotter <clears throat> than the truck tires and the truck brakes. Now, after a little investigation, we found out that the hydraulic uh, disc controller was cycling and applying the brakes. And so... Uh, at that temperature, had we proceeded down the other side of Sullivan Pass, uh, that could have easily been fatal with a 20,000-pound trailer, right? So carrying an infrared gauge, taking the temperatures on the tires, taking the temperatures on the brakes, clearly saved my life. I believe it would save others as well. Uh, critical as far as knowing, you know, where your safety line is. If you find that you've got hot brakes and hot tires, park on the side of the road and wait for a little while, you know? Let it cool down and then proceed on. It might just be the thing that saves you or someone else's life. Yes, I always okay. check every time I fuel up. I walk, I do a full rig walk around and check all the tires and make sure everything's connected. And if we go inside somewhere and come back out, we always check to make sure everything is still, you know, properly hooked up. Because I've had friends that have come back out, you know, from eating at a restaurant and somebody somebody has disconnected their hitch. Oh, I've had the same experience. Really? Have you? Mm-hmm. Had the same experience in Palmdale, California. We stopped at the store. We what are they trying to do? And, Steal the truck? Uh, <laughs> God knows, right? Started out, pulled up onto the highway and saw the trailer lights flickering. Thought that was kind of odd. Pulled over and found the coupler was unlocked. And as the coupler was moving up and down on the ball, uh, this was a tongue-toe trailer. Uh, it was losing ground, and that's what was causing oh the lights oh, to flicker on lucky the trailer. You didn't lose so, the whole thing there. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And so, again, that's why the safety chains in the EBS system are so critical. You know, had it jumped off completely, landed in the chains, the trailer would have drug us to a stop. Yeah. Right? So... Uh, we always check to make sure the horses are right side up, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big help if you want to saddle them. Yeah, right? you know, if the feet are sticking up in the air, it's never a good sign. All right, anything else? So, it's all great stuff. Is, there's one more thing I would throw out there. that it's, You know what? It's, it's For safety purposes, a clean trailer. Inside trailer being clean. All right, you just lost important. three you know quarters what? or if not eight, 90% of the audience now. They're gone. They're out. Uh, <laughs> they're not listening anymore. <laughs> was this too much? No, no, I was joking <laughs> no, that you're asking joking. him to do a clean trailer. Have you seen most of these horse women? Their trucks, well, the trailer's probably cleaner than their truck. I'll give them that. But it's still probably cleaner yeah, you know. than their house. It's much cleaner than their house, both of them. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, I do. I actually go in and I soap and water down the inside of the trailer and I hit it with a germicide to make sure that it's nice and clean because, you know, you're traveling down the road and the last thing you want is a sick horse on the road, right? So from a safety perspective, for the horse's safety, you know, clean the trailer out from time to time, you know? Make sure that it's you scrub all the snot off the bars and the walls and, you know, sure. make it a safe place for them to be. Oh, yes, and I, I always will clean and disinfect my buckets and feed pans and everything, in between and, you know, there's a there's a lesson right there on trailering safety, right? No matter where you go, always carry your own water buckets. Never use a public water source. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is a whole other conversation is that, that whole, <laughs> you know, how do you keep your horses healthy on the road scenario and, and some of the, the pieces and links that you got to go to. But certainly... You know, carry your own water buckets. Don't let them share water sources with anyone else because that is a transmitter of other disease. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, well, thanks, Dwayne, for all your wonderful advice and information today. You're quite welcome. Uh, I hope everybody else out there has a you know great summer this year and gets out and gets to do some, some riding in some pretty country. Be safe out there. All right. Thanks. Well, I did learn one thing that really caught my attention is I don't think I have a fire extinguisher in the truck or the trailer. I need to do that. Oh, really? Yeah. See, you know, because last year before last, when we did, when I went through and did my class A license training, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> that was one of the things you've got to have the properly sized and mounted fire extinguisher in your rig. So I actually have two in my trailer and one in my truck. And I've learned, I had a friend whose truck caught fire going up a grade while they were hauling horses. And I'll tell you what, one fire extinguisher is not enough if that actually happens. Yeah. So it's a good idea to have at least one in your truck and one in your trailer. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I I was actually on Amazon while we were talking to him. (laughs) (laughs) So so I got something out of that, too. Uh, well, good show, Karen. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people follow you and your adventures? Um, I'm NV Endurance Rider on Twitter or Facebook. NV Endurance Rider is where you can find Karen. Of course, uh, all the past episodes of the Endurance uh, episode here on Horses in the Morning. If you go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down to the middle of the page, you're going to see a little Endurance banner. Click on that, and it brings you to all the past episodes for like the last eight years. So you can go back and listen to them all right there on the website. That's probably the easiest way to do that. We're going to be back here tomorrow with Jamie. He'll be here and for our Wednesday episode. And then Thursday is uh, Mary Kitzmiller and Jennifer are here on Thursday talking horse training. And then Friday, of course, is really bad ads. So we have a full week of shows here for you. Also, I'm going to have a Stable Scoop Roundtable tomorrow night. Um, And it's a very special one. We have a diversity panel tomorrow night. Uh, So I will make the announcement of exactly who's on that uh, later in the day. But you can look forward to that tomorrow night at 7.30 here on Horses in the Morning Facebook page. We do those live video and then also put them out as audio on Stable Scoop. So you'll find, uh, I'll make that announcement tomorrow morning, but I'm excited about this panel. I can tell you that host of the Retired Racehorse Radio, Joy, is going to be one of the panelists on that show. So I'll make that announcement tomorrow morning. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Karen. Thanks.
So, good show, Karen. So, auditors. Thanks. Auditors, auditors. Um, Karen's husband has an expensive hobby, too. Um, <laughs> so, he, he, he watches stars. He's in the stars at night. Uh, so he, but he doesn't have the little telescope that we all buy when we're teenagers, right? No, <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> How do he get into stargazing? He's always been uh, interested in it, I think, for his entire life. And he started out with, you know, um, just a regular telescope like a lot of people start out with. And then he just kept upgrading it and upgrading it, upgrading it. And then next thing I know, he has built an observatory. That's right, people. <laughs> Karen has an ob- actual observatory in her yard. So I do. And the roof moves off. Is it like a real observatory that the whole roof closes and everything? Yes. Oh my god. And so I imagine the size of his telescope is quite impressive now. It definitely is. You can say to all the other women that my husband has a bigger telescope than yours. He does. His equipment... This is where we can make the jokes. Yeah, we can. We're in the post show. We're fine. It's very large. (laughs) So like his telescope, can you give us a ballpark of what a telescope like that costs? Um, About as much as my living quarters horse trailer. So a hundred grand? No, not quite. 50 to 100 grand. We'll we'll do a range. Well, yeah, Yeah. you know, because it's not just the telescope. There's the camera, the camera. And it's all operated off of a network from his computer in the house. So he doesn't even have to go out there? He does go out there to get stuff adjusted and set up and everything like that. But yeah, most of the time he takes the Are photos sure from he's it, looking at the stars the and just not trying to get away from you and he has a tv <clears> set out there and <throat> he watches tv it, and tells you he's out looking at stars i don't know because like every time i look at his computer it's basically just black with a little bit of a light spot on it which is from some <laughs> galaxy far far away <laughs> can he see the new rover on mars with his telescope can he actually see it going around I, you know i don't really know i mean the stuff that he can see it and people are always asking me well did you get any pictures of the moon and it's like well no he doesn't take photos of objects that close well and that is the thing i have to tell you that you post those pictures and anybody hasn't seen his pictures uh, on a serious note here they are freaking amazing They are really cool. It's like something you would see from, what was the the telescope that was floating around in the atmosphere? Hubble. It was like Hubble, that level of pictures. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool. And the pictures take sometimes weeks because they're really long exposures and he stacks them. So he's using a lot of... Um, uh, you know, fancy software and so processing and computer too. equipment. Yeah. And so he, he takes multiple pictures. And then um, sometimes if there's clouds, that screws things up. Sometimes if one of the neighbors leaves on their bright outside light, it creates noise for the photos uh, that he, you know. So what's um, he do with all these photos? Because he, you know, he gets photos that most people he, haven't seen before. But what, Exactly. He... He posts a lot of them on Astro Bin, and also I post them on my Facebook wall. And I have a um, an album called uh, Astronomy Photos. And you give a description of exactly where they are and what it is, and all of that. Stuff. Exactly how many yeah. you know light years away it is, and 
lots of times how many um, photos it took to stack and how many days it took to get the photo and, and, you know, get it processed and, and do stuff. And as he learns and he gets better and better and upgrades his equipment, he's, you know, going back and retaking some of the original photos that he took, say, 10 or 15 years ago. Okay. And they're coming really so, good. what is this hobby called? Does it have a official name? Just astronomy, Just astrologer, okay. Okay. I guess. So I assume on the astronomy Astronomer, Facebook pages, I mean. <laughs> tell me on the astronomy Facebook pages, do they disagree and fight as much as on the horse ones? You know, I don't think so. And, and what's really nice is whenever he sells stuff, because he'll sell some of his old equipment once he's replaced it with something newer and bigger and more costly. Um <laughs> Everybody pays. They do it through friends and family. There's never, he's never had any problems. It's, huh. yeah, it's, they, do they, they all it, seem, Do they fight about whether that is in fact what it, what he says it is. And then no, that galaxy is this and uh, no fights like that. No, not really. I don't think so. I think, and everybody in the community is very helpful to each other mm, wow. and Amazing. supportive. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, and it's just, it is sort of an, just like with any hobby or something where people are passionate about it, he'll have one of his friends come over that's also interested in it. And I swear, it's like, he's like, he disappears for hours and they're just out there gabbing away. Like, so he does, he has like play dates. The, exactly. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, it's no different than the guys who do like model trains or any of that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's really no or, different. Or anything, exactly. Yeah, golf, any any yeah. kind of hobby or or stuff like that. But um yeah, yeah, yeah he's uh, uh yeah, he, he's definitely interested in it and uh now yeah, if he had the money and the opportunity, would he be one of those space tourists? Would he sign up with Elon Musk and go for a oh, ride? Are you kidding? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he would go to Mars if it was a one way trip. <laughs> You know, he spent all his life doing it. I'd imagine he would, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's very interesting. I've, I've never known anybody to be a true astronomer like he is, you know, that has go, goes to the lengths he does. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, you know, so and he's gotten there, you so know, better and better. Half of your walls are covered with horse pictures and the other half are covered with galaxy pictures? Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> do you fight and over? I, and how do you how do you decide who gets to spend what money? Um, you know, we're both pretty good about it. That's the cool thing. I think <clears throat> we were in business together for fourteen years, and so we learned how to get along. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you either learn you, how to get along or get divorced when you're business. Exactly. Together. <laughs> well, you learn. It's a, exactly you. You know, it, it. A lot of people, I think, are in relationships, and and they haven't had to do that, right? Because they do spend so much time apart. Well, when you're with somebody for that long, twenty four seven, you know, you learn to get along and you learn that you're happy that the other person has a hobby. <laughs> I mean, geez, it's been 30 years. Jennifer and I worked together basically with a few years uh -huh. on or off in the middle, but there you the go. Part, it's been working yeah. together for 30 years and yeah, yeah. you do need a break. Every once in a yeah. while. So, so when you guys do ever go out and stargaze at night and have like, have 
you watched when the space station, International Space Station flies over? No, or start? not too much. Now, uh, we're lucky because if you catch it just right, we can see the launches from here. We Well, you can, That's see a, cool. you can see a little tail light of a launch, you know, you can see the after effect of the launch. Yeah, we went uh, to Florida once to see the space shuttle lift off and of course it got delayed. Yeah, that's what always happens. Oh, <laughs> gosh, I know. I can't tell you how many times my brother's driven from here down to the coast and it's not gone. <laughs> I know, I know. And I've got a couple of friends on Facebook that live close enough and they're always posting photos of the launches. And I mean, this new stuff with SpaceX is just, don't you think that's just so, I mean, it's like total sci-fi. It's just amazing what they're doing. Oh, no, it's not happening. It's all fake, it's Karen. Just, it's all fake. Oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, have you watched, have you seen any of the Starlink I'm kidding, satellites? by the way. Don't send any emails. I, 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 no. I don't believe it's fake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, like, in yeah, some of Dave's photos he's had where um, the Starlink satellites, because, I mean, how many hundreds of them have been launched already? And it's just a line of the the dots. That's the, the other thing. How crazy junky are we making their atmosphere now? <laughs> yeah, I know some of the astronomers are complaining about the, you know, having the debris up there and the, what they call it or whatever. Lots of it. But yeah. I mean, they're it, talking the Starlink, they're talking about putting up 8,000 satellites. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They got to be and running into each other soon. <laughs> Well, it yeah, it is sort of interesting. And luckily, Dave is able to sort, you know, he can clean up the... Um, take them out of the picture? Take them out of the yeah. picture because they're stacked. He could probably see them, like, the design. details on the satellites. He could get so close. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's had... Some of his friends have taken photos of, like, the space station. And, I mean, you literally... It looks like it's just sitting in your driveway. It's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> So he can so, probably see so on the satellites detail. the Russian flag or the American flag or the Chinese flag. He can you tell who they are. Yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff. Huh. Yeah. So but have you followed this? He'll know this? about World War Three before we do because he's going to see the missiles coming. That could be. Yeah. 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 Will, will you call or me just, and let me know when you find that out? Right. Yeah. Me, just watching the, the recent landing on Mars. Yeah. Um is pretty cool and seeing all the the photos and stuff coming back and and things like that it's all you know it's it's cool because it does um help out technology progress we you know we're learning so much i was six years old when they landed on the moon and walked on the moon for the first time and Um, we didn't have a color tv so we went next uh-huh. door to our neighbors had a color TV and all the neighbors came over. I remember like 10 people in there and wow. we watched it live on their color TV. And, you know, I was little, but I still remember sitting there watching it. Uh, I I remember I was a couple years younger, but I remembered. I remember being at my grandparents and watching it. Yeah, on that was the days, people, TV. when it was black and white TVs, mostly. And uh, you had to get up to turn the yep. channel. <laughs> and the dial was this big clicker dial, and you got like four stations, so it didn't matter much. But <laughs> I remember when we got our first UHF station. We had to have a different <laughs> antenna, and then we got that, and would come in really fuzzy. Uh, but you could watch different stuff in the afternoon when you got home. It- I know, and now we have all these channels and all these different networks, and we, and we still, still can't find anything exactly. to watch. We still complain. <laughs> well, that's fascinating, Karen. If if anybody gets a chance, I think most of those things you post are public. So if you go to Karen, Karen's Facebook page over there, you're gonna you're gonna see some of the most 
apps and go to her photo section. Just go to her Facebook page and go to photos. And you're either going to see horse pictures or astronomy pictures. You're going to see one of the other. Pretty much. Or yep. dogs. Or dogs. There's yeah. That's a bunch right. of those too. <laughs> or her cam. Or you're going to see pictures from her cam in the barn. But uh, check those out. It's a lot of fun. And it's just so fascinating how crystal clear they are. It's amazing. All right. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Glenn.